This is Illinois Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Coming up, we'll review the week's top stories about a circuit court judge's ruling against school mask mandates and subsequent fallout, what's not known about unemployment fraud, and continued calls for repealing the Democrats' criminal justice reforms. We'll also get commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb about masks in schools, crime, and corporate taxes. That's ahead with Illinois in Focus, powered by TheCenterSquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Hi, this is Chris Krug, publisher of The Center Square. Our team produces the nationally read and recognized news stories at TheCenterSquare.com, the country's fastest-growing, nonprofit, nonpartisan, state-focused news and information site. We deliver essential Illinois news and information with a taxpayer sensibility through reporting that's easy to understand and easy to share with your friends and family. We know that you want to get a quick update on what's happening at the state capitol in Springfield and across the state. Our team writes short, impactful stories that help all Illinoisans understand what's going on in their home state. We know that you need information that allows you to understand what the governor and your local legislators are doing. Our team covers government and the activity of elected officials so you can make sense of how their activity affects you and your family and your future here in Illinois. We know Illinois because we live in Illinois. Get the news that you need to know at thecentersquare.com. That's thecentersquare.com. Thecentersquare.com. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop. Here's some of the top stories from the past week. Following mask and COVID-19 vaccine mandates in schools being deemed null and void by a circuit court judge last week, Governor J.B. Pritzker plans to continue battling parents and staff in court. Sangamon County Judge Raylene Grishow Friday last week said the governor's mandates seemed to try to work around individual due process in law and called the bureaucratic maneuvering a type of evil. She ordered districts to temporarily halt requiring masks and excluding children from school and stop requiring vaccines or testing for teachers unless there's individual due process. She said all non-named districts may govern themselves accordingly. Before Friday's ruling last week, Pritzker still wouldn't say when he'd lift his mandate in schools. I believe that we should remove masks as soon as we possibly can. I am constantly listening to the doctors and scientists and encouraging them. When can we do this? What's the right time? What's the right way to do it? And so very hopeful we'll be able to make some announcements about that. After the ruling last week, the governor said in a statement he's seeking an appeal to restore his mandates. While some districts said without mandates they'd go remote and did, other districts with mask optional policies all year have done so without much disruption. The governor and the attorney who secured that temporary restraining order against mask mandates are trading jabs about the issue of due process that the judge made central in her ruling. Pritzker Monday said his order for masks and exclusion policies in schools had nothing to do with due process in state law. That requires a due process 48 hours after someone is asked to wear a mask. Um, and they've misread, the judge has misread this, the people who are suing have misread this. The judge's ruling and COVID-19 are creating chaos, Pritzker said. Attorney Thomas DeVore, who brought the challenges, countered Pritzker, saying nothing has been misread, and the governor's trying to sell a different reality. He created the chaos by going down these arbitrary, authoritarian dictates of an executive with intimidation and coercion and manipulation of people. DeVore said he'll file contempt charges against the district if they discriminate against one of his clients. Because I'm going to be asking the judge for penalties up to and including jail time if these people are actually violating her court order. So we're going to take it serious. 
Pritzker said he's seeking an appeal of the restraining order instead of demanding the state legislature pass a law requiring masks. This is all conversation that's been going on for quite some time now. The legislature has had an opportunity to weigh in. People have. But no legislation has been passed requiring masks in schools or changing due process in law that the judge cited in restricting enforcement. Meanwhile, Wednesday, the governor announced a modification of his mask mandates. At most indoor settings, with the exception of congregate facilities, masks won't be mandated after February 28th. The governor said local governments and businesses can still require masks if they want. He's taking a different approach with schools. Schools need a little more time for community infection rates to drop for our youngest learners to become vaccine eligible and for more parents to get their kids vaccinated. In the coming weeks, it's my hope and expectation that we will continue making progress to a place where we can remove school masking requirements and keep kids in schools. Republican State Representative Blaine Wilhauer criticized the governor's move to drop the mandate for practically everywhere except schools. The governor has different mitigation standards for kids in a classroom than he does somebody going to a bar or a casino or, or, or anything else. Pritzker's mandate for schools was deemed null and void by a circuit court judge last week and appeals pending with the governor saying that the ruling was from one circuit court judge downstate. State Representative Adam Niemerg reacted. Well, I think it's massively hypocritical of the governor to talk about one person making a decision when he's been a one-man rule for the last 20 months. And with continued COVID-19 mandates dictated by the governor nearing a full two years, some want to curb his authority. Despite a judge ruling his mandate for schools null and void, the governor Thursday in Rock Island insisted he has the power to mandate masks in schools. Again, he wouldn't give a metric for when he'll lift his order. I make the final decision as governor, but you don't want a politician to be randomly picking a number. Uh, you want us to, to talk to and listen to the doctors, as I have all along. State Representative Daniel Gasty has, for more than a year, demanded the legislature approve consecutive executive orders. Because no one should act alone for this long deciding the fate and, and what happens to, for the people of the state of Illinois. When reached for comment Thursday, Senate President Don Harmon's office wouldn't say whether the legislature would address the issue of mask mandates to provide clarity to parents and schools. Republican candidates for governor say the incumbent Democrats' ongoing school mask mandate flies in the face of that recent court order. Venture capitalist Jesse Sullivan said Pritzker's continuation of mask mandates in schools is unacceptable, calling it political science, not real science. Republican State Representative Avery Bourne is the running mate of Aurora Mayor Richard Irvin, who's seeking the GOP nomination for governor. She said Pritzker's trying to stand in the way of local school boards and parents making their own decisions. She said his mandates must end. Certainly now with the court ruling, it seems like it should happen much sooner rather than the governor saying, you know, giving no end date for schools and daycares. Last week, that Sangamon County judge deemed Pritzker's school mandate null and void. Governor's appealing. State Senator Darren Bailey, who's also running for the Republican nomination for governor, said local school boards should govern themselves. Local units of government are in control. Local units of government have been elected to represent their people. Businessman Gary Rabine said in a statement, Pritzker's compounding chaos by lifting mask mandates for everywhere except schools. The Pritzker administration still not revealing how much fraud occurred during the pandemic in the state's unemployment program. Other states have announced fraud estimates. When pressed for an estimate this week during a House Appropriations Committee, the Illinois Department of Employment Security officials said they've stopped about 2 million fraudulent claims, but wouldn't provide an estimated dollar amount in fraudulent payments. Republican State Representative Marty McLaughlin said that's frustrating, given approval of $25 million last year to help fight fraud. 
but let's have a metric so we can follow whether or not those tax dollars have had an impact on stopping fraud or tracking. As of right now, we don't have that answer a year later. The fraud amounts wasn't the only information withheld over the past year. Democratic State Representative Fred Crespo has been asking for more than a year for specific information about unemployment call center operations. I'm not even sure if I want to embarrass myself again and ask for the same thing, or if you care to explain why the department could not provide that information to either this committee or the audit commission. The agency said all they can provide is perspective for the workload to compile such data. Meanwhile, Illinois has an outstanding $4.5 billion debt for unemployment payouts. IDES is seeking a supplemental appropriation of $100 million to pay for interest if it's not addressed. Republican State Representative Brad Halbrook asked why the state isn't using some of the billions of leftover COVID-19 relief dollars to pay down the debt. And it seems like the road that we want to go down is increase cost to employers, which ultimately increases cost to employees and reduces their benefit package. IDES Acting Director Kristen Richards said the governor wants to use a substantial amount of those federal funds. Is that um, greater than 50 percent or what was that? What would that number look like? What are the numbers of being what does substantial mean? Sir, sir, again, I, I cannot begin to comment on that, that the, the department truly stands in a position of staffing an agreed bill process. Illinois has around $3.3 billion in unspent federal COVID-19 funds. In the wake of a Cook County grand jury declining to indict a man on murder charges in connection with a December shooting that left a woman dead, Illinois Republicans are blaming the Democrats' Safety Act. Kevin Bessler files this report. The criminal justice reform package became law last year and changed the felony murder law to narrow who could be charged with homicide. The Safety Act has made Illinois a less safe place to live. This rushed law is going to let a murderer get off easy. That is Representative Dan Ugasti at a press conference Wednesday. House Minority Leader Jim Durkin says Illinois has become a nearly lawless state with offenders being freed while awaiting trial on violent crimes. We need to immediately repeal the failed Democrat law, the Safety Act, before more tragedies occur. The Safeties Act name is a fallacy. It isn't working. No one is safe today. The Safety Act was spearheaded by the Illinois Legislative Black Caucus, a group that has called the GOP's efforts racial scare tactics. I'm Kevin Bessler. And the corporate tax rate in Illinois ranks among the highest in the country. Scott Bertram has that story. That's according to a new report from the Tax Foundation, which looks at how the states stack up for 2022. Senior policy analyst Catherine Lowhead says the state's combined rate is 9.5 percent. Which is the fifth highest corporate income tax rate in the country. And so Illinois is looking at really high corporate income taxes, which impact business investment in the state. She says last year, 16 states either enacted or implemented individual or corporate income tax rate reductions, the highest number in quite some time. The trend has definitely been to decrease income tax rates. States are really looking for ways to become more competitive and reducing business tax burdens is one of the best ways to do that. New Jersey and Pennsylvania have the highest corporate tax rates in the country, while South Dakota and Wyoming levy neither a corporate tax nor a gross receipts tax. I'm Scott Bertram. Those are the top stories from the past week from Illinois. Find more online at thecentersquare.com. Coming up for Illinois in Focus, commentary from the Center Square publisher Chris Krug and executive editor Dan McCaleb. This is Illinois in Focus, powered by thecentersquare.com. I'm Greg Bishop.
everyone, and welcome to the Illinois in Focus podcast crosstalk segment. This is commentary powered by the Center Square. I'm Chris Krug, publisher of the Center Square, joined by my friend and colleague, executive editor of the Center Square, Dan Caleb. Hey, Dan, what's happening? Hey, Chris, I know you've been on the road uh, this week. You've mi- you're missing all kinds of craziness um, back here in Illinois, but how's uh, your trip to D.C. been? Yeah, I've been in Washington, D.C. for the past week. It's been great visiting with Casey Harper, our uh, Washington, D.C. bureau chief for the Center Square. I mean, we've just grown so much in the, in the, in the last two and a half years. Um, and we're only going to celebrate our third anniversary this May. And we've got news coming from all 50 states and now from, uh, now from Washington, D.C. And I should say now we've been doing it for about a year. Um, it's just it's a. Uh, it's 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 been a terrific trip and and good to, to visit uh, the nation's capital, which I will tell you does not look too much unlike uh, Chicago with regard to people walking around or the lack thereof and businesses being closed and mask mandates and um, I got a lot of questions, Dan. I got a lot of questions. Just um, make sure just make sure you get out of there before that trucker convoy hits. <laughs> I. I cannot leave fast enough, uh, and I cannot go back, you know, to to my refuge in the uh, in the suburbs any 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 sooner than after I land uh, at O'Hare today. We're taping this on Thursday, February tenth. Um, it's a, about ten fifteen Central Time as we get going, uh, just to put a timestamp on the things we're going to talk about. Dan, do me a favor. Um, I got a little bit of a rasp in my voice, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm fighting through it, right? Tell me what is going on with masks. It's a. I realize I just asked you like a question that you can answer for an hour. Um, <laughs> <laughs> could you just give me an update? Oh, the masks are coming off in Illinois on the 28th of February for some people in some circumstances, but not all people in all circumstances. Let's clarify and let's talk about that. Yeah, so... Um, uh, as you mentioned, was this Thursday, February 10th. On Wednesday, February 9th, Governor Pritzker um, uh, announced that he was going to lift the indoor mask mandate um, in the state of Illinois, one of only a handful that are, that are still, um, Illinois is only one of a handful of states that still has an indoor mask mandate, um, but only for, um, you know, retail house outlets and restaurants and things like that, schools, uh, will still the mandate will be still be enforced on schools, um, including all students, K through 12, and in co- congregate settings, places like nursing homes, prisons, things like that. Um, uh, of course, his announcement this week comes in the wake of a uh, uh, circuit court judge's decision last Friday um, uh, in a lawsuit that was filed by uh, nearly 150. Uh, parents from 150 school districts across the state and students uh, from about 150 uh, uh, school districts across the state. The, the, the Sagamon County Judge Raylene Gresco um, essentially ruled that uh, Pritzker's school mask mandate and uh, vaccine or testing mandate on teachers was null and void. Um, and, uh, and essentially because schools were violating in particular students due process rights she called okay. it a quote unquote type of evil oh wow okay. and by due process um, what she, what she meant was is that schools were excluding students 
who were deemed to be quote unquote close contacts of people um, who tested positive for COVID-19, but they had no recourse. They had no way. Uh, if someone said, hey, I was a close contact with, you know, person A, then person B can't go to school without any without any chance to fight for themselves. I I, and I think that that's been the biggest fundamental problem in the close in the quote unquote close contact approach to um, to like in school mitigation. Right. I mean, like you're in close contact with everybody at one point or another in, in a lot of our elementary schools and certainly our high schools. I mean, walk down the hallway with them and we stop and talk. I mean, how many, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I, and I think it's, I think that that part of, of the policy was futile from the beginning, but I mean, Dan, what is the data telling us about COVID kids in schools? Uh, well, first, um, Plenty, all of our neighbors. There are no state statewide mask mandates in any in any of our neighboring states to Illinois. There haven't been large outbreaks in schools or otherwise. Um, of course, we would just went through the Omicron variant, and that uh, more transmittable, uh, less serious in terms of uh, the health outcomes. Um, um, and and the Omicron got a lot of us. It got got me certainly. Um, yeah, me but, too. But it was like a head cold. And that's what I suffered. Now, certainly, some people will suffer more severe consequences. But anyway, and that that ran across the country. That, that that happened. But in school, in states where they don't have mass mandates, which is most of the states in the United States, there have not been significant differences in the numbers of COVID nineteen cases, COVID nineteen hospitalizations, COVID nineteen deaths. The stats are um, are are pretty comparable. Um, so, mass mandates have not led to Illinois, mass mandates in schools, well, mass mandates everywhere, but we're talking about schools, mass mandates in schools have not, um, uh, have, have, have not led to fewer case counts in Illinois. Case counts are dropping in Illinois, just like they're dropping um, everywhere. And the science yeah. of the day, children um, uh, essentially says that COVID-19 doesn't impact children all that seriously not compared to the way it does older senior citizens, older Americans, right. Amer uh, uh, people with, with other health underlying health conditions. Right. Um, so this has really been a farce and, 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 and what, what's been an industry uh, interesting trend this week, not just in Illinois, but numerous uh, uh, Republican led states essentially ended things like mass mandates, um, you know, last summer and didn't bring them back. Illinois and other Democrat-run states have had things, mass mandates in place. But interestingly, this week, Illinois is not the only one that's ending its uh, mass mandate for everybody but schools. Um, New Jersey, Connecticut, Delaware, and Oregon announced this week that they're going to be ending mass mandates everywhere, including in schools. And then California and New York, like Governor Pritzker, um, is ending mass mandates everywhere but schools. So have we reached the point where Illinois' approach to COVID as it pertains to masks is, the, is the, like the most restrictive in the country as on the state level? Are we there yet? Um, I, I think California is still pretty strict. New York is still pretty strict, but those three would definitely be leading the country. In, in, and um, the state of Washington is also still pretty strict. So those four. Um, would have the most restrictive um, policies in place uh, two years. We're now yeah. at the two-year point um, of the pandemic. Yeah. 
So he, here in the District of Columbia, which I mean operates like its own whatever uh, city state. <laughs> I don't know. I don't right. know what you even. I mean, it's 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 taxation without representation is stamped on the license plates here. Um, they're lifting the, the the mask mandates tomorrow, but they are still sporadically, you know, in my experience of the past week, checking COVID cards for admission to restaurants or bars or, you know, and really anywhere that you would go and be inside. Yeah. And, 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 uh, we know the state of Washington has, has that in effect. Um, many, uh, uh the state of California, um, uh, does particularly when you now when you get into the major metros in certain states such as you know Los Angeles and San Francisco the restrictions in Chicago the restrictions are even tighter than what the state statewide mandates are but Illinois is right up there um, um, with these very restrictive states two years into the pandemic yeah but it's still I mean it's still Kabuki theater because I mean you know the the people that are checking my um, you know checking my vax card um, which is um, what's the correct term now? I would be up to date, I believe. It's it's about time. Like you, you've had I'm, your booster. Yeah, as if as if I'm like computer software. Um, I am up to date. Um, they don't look at the. They really don't look at the card. It's it's just it's for show. It's for compliance. It's it's so they don't get you know, fined. It's but interesting. It, it, it's interesting you mentioned the card because I cleaned out my wallet last weekend, and my card is a mess. I don't know that anybody could read uh, anything on my card. So I, you know, I, if I if they made me show my card when I went to a restaurant and they actually checked it, um, I don't know what they'd do. Is it is it in better shape than your Mount Calvary School Library card? <laughs> you reminded me. I still got to return that. <laughs> Yeah, they're 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 they are looking for uh, go dog go, and uh, I think you owe about fifty years worth of fines on that book. Um, so, uh, so um, all right, so we in the mask mandate thing, we've talked about the judges, we've talked about Governor Pritzker. Um, well, let's think, talk about schools. Yeah, let's. I mean, because how are they going to manage this? I mean, how? And and are we doing the N95 masks for everyone program? I know we're sending crack pipes out <laughs> to people all over the place. We didn't even want, I mean, I'm in DC. So, you know, it was hard for me to avoid that story. Jen Saki um, says that's not true though. But, uh, uh, but I, yeah. that, well, that sucks. And, you know, there's millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars included in um, uh, this grant funding that says it's true. So, I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Anyway, that's a whole nother story we could talk about for an hour. Um, but schools this weekend, it's been chaos. Yeah. Um, and it's because of the poor leadership of the, gov of the governor's office. Um, after the judge's ruling late Friday, um, some there was about 150 schools. There's now there's more. Of course, there's more than 800 school districts in the state of Illinois, which is ridiculous in and of itself, which is another topic we could talk about for an hour. But among the, um, there was confusion whether or not the judge's ruling was effective only for those 150 school districts or if it was a statewide um, ruling. Right. Um, each school district seemed to handle it separately, even even the schools that were that were named in the lawsuit where parents and students um, were plaintiffs in the lawsuit. Some schools said that the, the decision is only going to apply to those specific plaintiffs. 
Um, so in District 300, which is in the suburbs of Chicago, which you and I know pretty well, I think there yeah. was I think there was 12 students um, named uh, who were plaintiffs in the lawsuit. District 300 says the ruling only applies to those 12 students. Yeah, so those 12 students can go unmasked. Everyone can. Everyone else has to mask. Um, and just looking at um, the reporting from across the state, some schools took maskless students and put them in the gymnasium, separated them then from the general population, of course, out, which means out of the classroom. So they're not right. in the classroom. Some schools just went mask optional um, um, because that's what they wanted to do. And this is many schools because that's what they wanted to do all along. They didn't, they, they didn't believe yeah. that they should be masking uh, students uh, in the first place. Um, uh, other schools just decided to keep their mask mandates for everybody um, in place. So it's been all over the board. It's chaos. So uh, let, let, let me stop you and ask this question. So in like Cook County and, and the collar suburbs, are people wearing two masks? And then you go south of I-80 and they're wearing like one mask, but their nose is poking over the top of it. Well, and then you get further south, like like Springfield area, and they're they're going like chin diaper mask. And then you get down to the like down near Carbondale, and the masks are just laying on the like just laying in the in the you know in trash cans. I mean, is are we that divided as a, as a state, or is it or or is the pushback against this and the application of, of how people are interpreting the, the, the rule from the early reporting. What's your take? Are there regional attitudes about this issue? Yeah, yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, after the judge's ruling uh, last fr last week, on Friday of last week, the Chicago Teachers Union put out a couple of statements um, essentially saying um, that the judge's ruling it goes against every health and safety measure we put in place to protect our staff, to protect our children, et cetera, et cetera. And we also have a, uh, a collective bargaining agreement um, with the school system, with Chicago Public Schools and Mayor Lori Lightfoot, um, saying that masks are mandatory, so we're keeping our masks in place. Chicago, right, north, uh, northeast part of the state. And then um, there have been individual teachers unions uh, across the state of I know of one at least that that advised its teachers this is a suburban school district advised its teachers to double mask um, when they go back to the classroom where when we, they went back to the classroom on Monday because the, the boogeyman or someone was going to get the COVID boogeyman. I, I was I was obviously I was I was being facetious when I said that earlier I, haven't we got to the point where the double masks is that I mean like that's like like not even like a like a reasonable idea that like that anybody is accepting as scientific in nature and that and it, and it really it, you have to have like a was it an n is it an n95 or a kn95 one of those is better than the other the n95 is the is the better that's, yes that's the best one right yeah um so and forgive me if i haven't asked this uh, already what what happened with that program are, are we not where are the masks? <laughs> were we? Were we? Did, did I ask you about that just a few minutes ago? I'm sorry. No. If I'm a, I'm a, I, I mean, if I'm like in a loop on 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 this whole mask thing, but I'm not sure that I got an answer. or I even asked a question. President Biden was was going to distribute KN95 masks. Uh, he announced that in early January, if uh, I remember he, correctly. We, 
Yeah, we talked about that. And I, yeah. I and I asked about the crack pipes, and so I wrecked your answer. So what's the truth? The truth is I haven't seen any of these KN95 masks. But even so, we're at the point in the pandemic that we shouldn't be masking kids. We know that kids, younger kids, um, teenagers and younger aren't dramatically impacted by COVID-19, even if they get COVID-19. Right. This has been failed policy in the early days of the pandemic when we didn't have the science and we didn't have the research, we didn't have the data. Okay. We're now two, two years into this. One, we know cloth masks don't work. Yeah. We know uh, children and young adults aren't anywhere near as impacted by COVID-19 as, as older, much older adults and those that have serious, significant other um, health conditions. Um, so it's just been a bad, failed policy. And no, I, I mean, if your question was, should we be giving kids N95 masks um, to go to school? No, kids shouldn't be wearing masks going to school. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I, and I don't disagree with that. I mean, the, um, so, you know, uh, one thing we've talked about throughout COVID is like whether or not children are vectors of the, of, of COVID-19. And, you know, as we've gone through the variants and continue to go through the variants, um, Omicron just seems to be floating around. And, uh, I mean, it's like, you know, every, I don't know, I, I can't, we, we've talked about this before. You and I both went like a year before we knew anybody on a first-person basis who got COVID. Correct. Right? I mean, and, and we we know a lot of people. And, and I mean, because we've lived on the planet for a long time. Um, Some of us longer than others. <laughs> That's so mean. Um, but the, the pushback at the school level now with masks seems to be coming from teachers and specifically their, you know, the unions. Yeah, our teachers, our, our children, has the data indicated that children are, vec are vectors in any way that would be um, heightened beyond what a, a regular human being would be exposed to in their regular day? You know, I mean, like we like but there are still people who have to go to work and they are going to work yeah. and they have children who have go to school. And there, are, and there are, and there are most schools across the country haven't been had mask um, mandates, and there haven't been any issues with it. It's a scare tactic. Yeah. Um, there are no statewide mask mandates in any of Illinois' neighboring states. Now, some there are some local mask mandates, particularly in the metro um, uh, areas um, where Democrats, you know, run the cities or whatever. But in large swaths of rural and, and suburban areas across the country, they've been going without masks in schools on school children for the entire school year. And there are there have been no significant outbreaks that, that you know, caused significant health concerns. No. Hmm. Um, OK, I'm masked out, uh, I think, at this point. <laughs> Is is there is there anything left to talk about there? Well, it's I mean, it's Governor Pritzker's appealed the the district court's um, ruling, so it's going to be heard by an appellate court. Um, we're hearing that within the next week um, that there could be a decision at the appellate court level. So it 
it's possible it gets reversed. The, the, the Sagamon County judges ruling gets reversed, um, uh, which would create even more chaos. So we're going to take the mask off. We're going to make kids wear masks all school year. Then we're going to take the mask off kids for a week. And then we're going to put masks back on kids um, because of the legal process here. Yeah, and then Governor Pritzker, you know, at his press conference yesterday where he said he was ending the statewide mask mandate um, on February 28th outside of schools and congregate care settings, he hinted that, you know, there might be more news on schools in a couple of weeks. So there's, of course, we might be the end of the school year by the time the governor decides to end the school mask mandate. I kind of feel like, you know, that this is not, not to say part of the playbook, but I mean, didn't we? Is, didn't we kind of do this last year? Yes. Was it, wasn't there something that kind of just phased itself out? Some, uh, well, first of all, well, we didn't bring kids back until it was like, you know, I don't know. In, in the case of my then middle school girl, she didn't get to go back to school until after spring break and only went to school until the end of May. So, I mean, she's like, like literally had like, uh, you know, less than 60 calendar days and probably well, however many 40 some uh, actual in school days because there were days off in there last year. But there was some I don't I don't even remember what it was. I mean, it's like we've done everything we can, you know, I mean, willfully as a state to avoid having teachers and kids in school learning. And you know what? The learning loss is real. Uh, it, it, I don't have to tell anybody who has kids this, um, because they tell me as much. And, and I think that the suffering that we're going through and have gone through with COVID and schools, it's going to show up down the line. You know, um, we're just going to have kids who have missed out on a significant amount of education that are going to have to get caught up. And it, it it's, this is not going to be pretty. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and the idea of turning that responsibility over to the people who created the problem by their in, by their, their unwillingness to look at science and data and to stay in school and to teach kids, the idea of turning over the future problem of this to that same group, is the definition of insanity. It, it, I mean, it is literally the, uh, the loop and why we as a country struggle with education despite the way that we fund it. And, and just, one, to, just to add to that, um, the verbal communication skills that younger children uh, are missing out on because they're in a mask and they're friends, um, classmates are in mass, and this, this goes all the way down to the preschool level, but also kindergarten, first grade, etc. cetera, um, and their teachers uh, are masked. Um, it, it's significant. There's all kinds of evidence that, that um, kids who are just, you know, young children who are learning to communicate um, are, are, are well behind their peers from a couple years ago. Everybody's going to start talking like Charlie Brown's teacher in the future. Oh, God. Um, all right, let's let's shift gears. Um, uh, no pun intended. Uh, expressway violence in uh, in and around uh, the state, the state, but you know, largely up toward Chicago. 
it's just been it's bonkers. I mean, it's like uh, uh, the Grand Theft Auto uh, video game has has become uh, just part of our reality. What what is going on with that? Well, <laughs> interestingly, this week Illinois State Police um, uh, announced that they made several um, uh, significant arrests uh, when it comes to expressway uh, gun violence. Um, in particular. So that's the good thing. But this has been going on, as you and I know, for years and years and years um, in Chicago. And and I, I honestly mentioned, wanted to bring this point up during our masking discussion too. Interestingly, in the news, this news that they finally are making some headway uh, on this comes during an election year as a, as a, as a, as a primary election is upcoming this summer. And then uh, a, a, a general election in November in which Governor Pritzker is up for election. It, the timing of this stuff is start, starting to get curious. Pritzker's going to back off his statewide mask mandate um, effective at the end of the, this month. You've got this major announcement of 20 arrests tied to um, expressway freeway uh, violence. Um, in the state, I'm not criticizing that part of it, but why haven't we been making arrests on these things, you know, in the past? Um, there was another... Like as the crimes occur? Yeah, yeah. And there was another story this week um, uh, related to um, the Democrat um, uh, pushed uh, what they called criminal justice reform in Illinois, the Safe T Act, um, uh, where a Cook County um, uh, prosecutor said the grand jury um, refused or declined to indict a person involved in a gang-related shooting that killed a woman, um, declined to um, indict him on a murder charge because of the change in the state law. Um, of course, Republicans pounced on that, that this and asked for the re repeal of the Safe um, T Act. Um, you, you and I both know, too, arresting um, gang members in Chicago uh, who are involved in shootings and murders uh, is difficult. They're, they have a very low um, um, success rate when it comes to that. So here they've got a person, a criminal who is involved in this shooting, and they can't charge him with murder. And, and, and that was, and, and that was the, the instance where uh, the, was it the district attorney or the state's, excuse me, the state's attorney's office um, declared that there was like a mutual combat situation. Now this, this is this is a, this is a separate one from that. That's a that's a whole other story. But that's a cousin. That's a kind of a cousin. cousin to this, yes, to this story, right? This, yes, this individual shot his gun in this shootout between two rival gangs. Uh, a woman was killed. Um, uh, uh, they they arrest one person in the case. But because they can't directly say that the, the bullet from his gun is what killed this woman, uh, he, he can only be charged with a gun crime. Can't be charged with uh, anything that happened uh, to the victim in the case um, because, um, because of the, this new criminal justice reform law passed by Democrats. Gee whiz. What problem are we trying to solve there? Uh, years of systemic racism in the criminal justice system. Well, I don't think that that does it. I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's, that's, that that fixes it. Um, okay. Uh, anything more on that? No, but it, I mean, 
you and I both know, everybody who's listening knows about the, the, the gun violence in Chicago and how out of control it is. This is just the first example of that law impacting a criminal case. Um, unless the law is repealed or certain portions of the law is repealed, this is going to just be the first example. There's going to be yeah. example after example after example after example. Yeah. I mean, you know, and that's 20, that's 20 cases related to, to largely they were highway related um, charges, right? Yes. They yeah. were all highway related. Yes. The, in the other, in the other instance. Yes. And they For, were all, they were not all murder or, 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 or homicide, you know, right. They were just shootings. Correct. Yeah. It's a, it seems like it's an odd headline. Um, you know, when you think about like the, the success rate on clearing cases in Cook County and specifically in Chicago, where the homicide number last year was, uh, I think it hit 800. We're, we're only yet, yeah, and, and we're only in the, uh, you know, the, the second week of February, and there's already been 13 expressway shootings in 2022 after there was a record to excuse me 260 in 2021 yeah yeah and i and, and I, you know, I was just looking at um uh the the website hey jackass you know that that tracks this stuff and year to date uh as of february 10th um city of chicago 65 shot and killed 232 shot and wounded total homicides 70 wow so, um, just six weeks into the, into the year. Yeah. I mean that, that those, those numbers, uh, that's, that, that, that's the trend is not your friend in, uh, in the city of Chicago right now. Um, all right. Lastly, let's move, let's move on. And, and, and just one, one last point on that. Yeah. Too. Of course, of course it's, we've had, you know, temperatures between zero and 20 degrees most of the year. So not right. as many people are outside when we get into the spring months. Oh boy. Yeah. And then, I mean, I think that that's an important factor to, you know, for people who are listening to us, you know, uh, outside the state of Illinois and, and around the world. Um, it, it, this is a very, the weather dynamic in Illinois, um, it, I mean, the, the, the weather's always changing. Uh, and regardless of whether you live in northern Illinois, central Illinois, or southern Illinois, you know, there, there are distinct seasons. And in particular in Chicago, really from, you know, about Thanksgiving until St. Patrick's Day, uh, it's a pretty good bet that, A, there's going to be a gray sky above you. B, it's going to be cold temperature wise 32 degrees or fahrenheit or less and see the wind is going to be blowing in all for whatever reason especially downtown in all directions right so um yeah it's it's uh it's unpleasant and then of course you know you get to springtime and you know the sad this in the whole story this whole thing dan i you and i've talked about this i think this is maybe like this this make this is like one of the things that really actually makes me sad um, but you know, when you get to springtime in Chicago, the saying is sun's out, guns out. Yeah. And so, you know, that we have not as, as a society in, and the people that, you know, that we've in, entrusted with this, we've not fixed this problem. And this problem is, is it seems, it feels like it's worsening 
because statistically it's worsening. Um, okay. One last thing. I want to talk about the corporate tax rate. I know a lot of people who listen to Illinois and focus are business owners, small business owners, and certainly, you know, big business owners too. Um, what is um, what what is the the, the 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 latest report that's out that positions Illinois in a in a specific way from other states? Right, a new report from the Tax Foundation, which is a national nonprofit organization that studies tax policies across the country, local tax policies, state tax policies, uh, and and finances uh, uh, of various government groups, came out with a new report this week um, that shows that Illinois has the fifth highest corporate income tax rate in the country. Um, uh, When you include the base 7% corporate tax and the additional 2.5% tax that's called a personal property replacement tax, Illinois' corporate tax rate is 9.5%, and that's the fifth highest in the country. Of course, Illinois has, most studies find Illinois has the second highest property taxes in the country to New Jersey. Illinois, depending on where you live in Illinois, has among the highest sales taxes um, in the co- in the country. And now, well, not now. This has been going on for years. It's just a new study. But that, the study confirms that Illinois has the fifth highest corporate tax rates on, on businesses. And what does that mean? That means the 9.5% uh, of the company's revenue um, that the businesses have to send to the state of Illinois, they can't use it on their employees. They can't use it to invest in new ventures. Um, it's money that disappears in the black hole that is Springfield. Yeah, that's, that's swell. That's that. I mean, it's just, Oh gosh. And of hey. course this is, this is another part of the growing trend of the out migration from Illinois for eight consecutive years. Illinois has lost uh, on net um, tens of thousands of residents. Last year was uh, like 120,000 um, residents. The state keeps shrinking from a population uh, standpoint, and it's because of policies, ta- tax and spend policies that we have in Illinois that's driving people away, driving jobs away. Yeah. The last one, the, the last one uh, out, please uh, turn off the lights and right. shut, the, shut the door, I guess. Sadly, there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, um, well, uh, uh, anything to end on a, on an uplifting note? The Super Bowls this weekend, I've been told. Yeah, a couple of teams you don't see very often in the Super Bowl: the Bengals and the Rams. Who you got? I really like that Joe Burrow kid. I, I, I the, you know, not to make it all about the quarterbacks. Uh, I like I like Joe Burrow um, because he's he's just I, I mean he he's just such a like a terrific young player, right? I have a soft spot for Matthew Stafford, who's the quarterback of the Rams, simply because he got the absolute uh, snot knocked out of him for all those years that he was in Detroit. Um, so, I, you know, it's like uh, last year's Super Bowl was kind of a, you know, like the, you know, it's, it's, the Chiefs were pretty bad. And, 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 uh, and, of course, Tom Brady won again. So there's a little bit of refreshment. Uh, in the idea of uh, of teams that haven't won winning, and one of them will. Uh, so prognostication wise, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go. 
and, and I think it's there's like maybe a five point spread where the Rams are favored. So I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna take the favorite, but I I wouldn't bother me if Cincinnati won. I think that this will be a Super Bowl I'll watch, like in the most agnostic way, and just try to enjoy. Hey, you know I don't really have a rooting interest uh, on either side uh, either. Um, I expect it to be a pretty good game. That's what I'm rooting for. I want it to be come down to, you, you know, we had all those playoff games leading up to the Super Bowl uh, that were um, settled in the last, either on a game-winning field goal or um, settled in the last uh, few seconds yeah. of the game. That's what I'm rooting for. That's my rooting interest. If I had to, if I had to place a bet, I would pick the Rams as well. Yeah. All right. Well, well, we'll see how we do. I mean, you and I are, you know, uh, obviously, you know, highly successful um prognosticators uh who don't have to work who don't have to work day jobs and we just do this for fun you don't so, don't right. go out there and make a bet on my prognostication <laughs> please all don't right. all right for dan mccaleb and thank you danny for dan mccaleb this has been chris krug you've been listening to the illinois in focus podcast this was commentary powered by the center square now over to greg bishop for a look at what's happening in Springfield and across the state next week. Next week, both chambers of the Illinois legislature return to the state capitol in Springfield. The team from the center square will be on location to bring you the latest, how they're crafting a budget to spend your tax dollars, and follow the continued fallout from COVID-19 mandates and more. This has been Illinois in Focus. For more Illinois stories and commentary online, visit thecentersquare.com. For the Center Square, Illinois, I'm Greg Bishop.